I want to thank you for inviting me to be here. Rich and I have had a really nice weekend. We came down on Friday, so we got to see all that glorious snow yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Yesterday morning was just a spectacle for us. We've lived in Arizona for um, over 40 years, first in Tucson and now in Phoenix. And, and we, we haven't seen that much snow in this state, uh, and we, we've really had a good time. So I'm, I'm no expert on the subject of forgiveness. I'm in the exploring stage, and so I'm really hoping that this is an invitation to you to treat this as an exploration, part of your own exploration and maybe part of your own path toward forgiveness. I've been thinking about three questions uh, related to forgiveness. First of all, what is it anyway? And, and given that it's difficult and we think of it as difficult, why do people even choose to do it? Because it's hard work sometimes. And then finally, how does our UU faith call on us to forgive and maybe help us to get on that path? So what do I think is forgiveness? I think we think of it three different ways. There's the I forgive you way of thinking of it. And then there's the second way of I need to be forgiven. I messed up. I'm coming to you for an apology. I'm taking responsibility. I screwed up. What can I do? Could you forgive me? And third is I accept forgiveness. And I think sometimes we think that's not so hard. Sure, I can, I can accept it if somebody else wants to forgive me. But sometimes that's also very hard. Uh, today we're really going to focus mostly on that first one. How do we go about forgiving other people? What is the work of forgiving someone? Well, obviously it comes after there's been some kind of harm or injury. Um, feeling a little close to this. Am I, am I coming across all right? I'm getting, I'm getting uneven feedback, but you can all hear me? Okay. A little bit loud? Okay. Then I can back up a little. Do you still hear me if I back up? Okay, good. Uh, so what does it mean to forgive? First of all, it happens after there's been a, a hurt. Um, it includes somebody saying, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Can I make it better? Um, forgiving yourself or another assumes, maybe even declares, the possibility of change in the future. Things could be different. Forgiveness honors the humanity of the offender both the fabulous part and the not-so-fabulous part. I think of it as an attitude, maybe a way of life. Gandhi said, forgiveness is choosing to love. There are some things that forgiveness is not, as well. Uh, forgiveness is not an emotion. It's, it's a journey, a process, a, th a thought, maybe, and a decision more than it is an emotion. It's not passive. It's not something that just appears out of nowhere. It's not about skipping over accountability for the actions that hurt you. And it's not about forget. It's not, you know, there's that forgive and forget saying that we all probably learned and probably still teach our children. Um, it's not necessarily about forgetting. It's often described as a struggle. And of course, there are some things that are unspeakably and unimaginably difficult to forgive. When we hear some of those stories of forgiveness, we sometimes get tears in our eyes. If you Google, which of course everybody Googles when you start something new these days, right? So if you Google just the word forgiveness, you get millions of things to look at. And even if you Google UU forgiveness, you get in the thousands of things to look at. UUs who've had something to say on the subject. You find stories on YouTube. 
I was particularly moved to tears by, by a, a YouTube video of a man who chose to forgive a teenager who, while driving drunk, ran into a car and killed the man's wife and two children. And now, you know, the story went on a lot longer than that, so I had a lot of time to <laughs> develop the tears, but I, 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 I was moved to tears at that. I'm frequently moved when I go to a preschool where I'm on the board and I watch children on the playground who at the age of four have, have learned how to resolve a dispute and speak to each other about forgiveness. I think that's just a spectacular, wonderful thing. But why are we so moved to tears by that? Why should it be so hard? Is it because, is it because it's hard and we're seeing these examples? Are these moments of grace and gentleness and compassion? I don't really know. Maybe it's, maybe it's just that we get tears of joy because it seems like a miracle. But I'm not sure why forgiveness should seem like such a miracle. Why is it so hard to say, I'm sorry, or I forgive you? I think in this culture, we have some things that work against that. Forgiveness seems to kind of have a bad rap. It seems to some people think, well, if I forgive you, that means my hurt doesn't count as much as what you did, or it means I'm not sticking up for myself, or somehow it's not fair. But forgiveness doesn't, forgiveness doesn't make the offender right. Forgiveness is something that the person who was hurt does, whether or not the offender even wants to talk about it. So my, the second question I've been thinking about then is, so if it's hard, complicated, why do people make this choice to get on a path of forgiveness? Some people, I think, come to it just from reading magazines and reading the popular press. There are a lot of articles about forgiveness and why you should forgive. There's, there are, are lots of reasons not to be angry all the time and not to hold a grudge. Holding a grudge is recognized as, as kind of a form of self-poisoning. Um, not forgiving, holding on to everything, going over and over and over and over in your mind. It does build a burden, it does harden your heart, and it puts all those rocks in your pockets. And pretty soon, you're shuffling along under the burden of not having been able to forgive. So sometimes I think people come to it from reading articles like that, they come to it because maybe they finally recognize how lousy it does feel to not forgive. Some people come to forgiveness uh, through religion. The world's religions have always included prayers and commandments about forgiveness. If you were raised uh, as a fairly traditional Christian, you heard, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or you heard, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. If you were raised Jewish, every year you experienced the High Holy Days, more than a week spent in repentance, in seeking forgiveness from others, and in forgiving others. The word Islam is derived from a word that means peace, and there is no peace without forgiveness. If you studied Buddhism, you learned that anger and hatred can be relieved by meditation. The Buddha said, holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else, but you're the one who gets burned. So some people forgive based on a religious mandate or a commandment. I think in order to figure out a little more about that, it's useful to think about 
two kinds of forgiveness. What I think of as everyday, ordinary, all the time, ongoing forgiveness. And then there's extraordinary forgiveness. Every day, day after day after day, as Linda has already said, we need to forgive ourselves. There are plenty of things out there that say you can't really forgive somebody else until you've forgiven yourself. I have a long list. Every day I need to forgive myself because I procrastinate, I eat too many cookies, I don't pay enough attention to my husband or my mother or my mother-in-law or my children or my grandchildren. I don't live up to my aspirations day after day. I'm guessing most of you have sort of similar lists. Uh, and so I think we can work on self-forgiveness. We can work on it every day. But lest we take ourselves too seriously, I want to tell you what Rabbi Chaim Stern said. He issued this caution. Do not look into the mirror with loathing, forgetting the good in you. There can be a perverse pride in too much self-despising. For you are not a great sinner, merely average. <laughs> As you need forgiveness, so do I, lest we despair of all light. But this is a day of light. Accept it and add to it, he said. So every day, day after day, we know people who seem to be looking for ways that they are personally hurt by somebody else, ways that other people are dismissing them or ways that other people say things that bother them or feel, feel uncomfortable. These people sometimes seem to long to get back at people. There's, a, there's this need for, uh, he did something bad, I'm going to get back at him. These people have plenty of rocks in their pockets. They don't even have room for chapstick or a piece of Kleenex, I think, some of them. There's a Hasidic tale that tells of a man who went to his rabbi during the High Holy Days, when, when you're supposed to be forgiving of others when they come and ask for forgiveness. And he, he said to the man, I don't, I don't really know how to do that too well. Can you give me some advice? And the rabbi listened and he said, well, here's one way. Do not condemn those who offend you. Then you will have no need to forgive. Sort of like, don't pick up the rocks in the first place. And if you pick one up, don't hang on to it and certainly don't stuff it in your pocket. But beyond this kind of everyday forgiveness, I think there is something that, that I would call extraordinary forgiveness. And some of you may be sitting there right now thinking, you don't know anything about me. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know what it is I'm holding on to that I can't forgive, and I don't know if I'm going to listen to you. And I totally understand that, because I totally don't know what's happened to you. I don't know what you feel you may need to forgive. And I'm pretty sure, actually, that I personally don't know how hard it is to forgive a really big transgression. I don't feel like I've been tested to forgive a person who has intentionally committed an extraordinary outrage against me or someone very close to me. And how can we forgive those things? How can you forgive the unforgivable, the beheadings, the public stonings, the mass shootings, the individual shootings, child abuse, kidnapping, intentional violence? I mean, these, are, these aren't rocks. These are boulders and mountains. And, and how do we forgive this incomprehensible? The man whose wife and children were killed by a drunk teenage driver spoke of being a vessel for Jesus' love. And he actually spoke of 
of gratitude for the opportunity to be that vessel. And then there are the people of the Emmanuel Church where the shooting took place last spring. How, how do those families arrive at being able to forgive the shooter? When interviewed, many of them spoke of God and of Jesus. Some of them spoke of how long it's going to take, how much it is a journey, how much they will have to think about it and process it and deal with it and pray about it. I think I see some steps about everyday forgiveness, about things you can do. There, there's a process. You Google again, believe me. There are a thousand processes. You, they, they're all over the place. But they all avoid, they all say things like avoid placing blame in the first place, seek to understand the whole picture, open a dialogue, give the other person the benefit of the doubt, compassion, empathy, and so on. And those, I think those are all good advice, especially for everyday forgiveness. I'm not sure about extraordinary forgiveness. I feel that there must be something more powerful, more drawing on more wisdom from somewhere, something deeper and more compelling. Obviously, for some people, a belief in God and God's words and commandments has that kind of power. Severe personal suffering may lead you to that place eventually. So I don't really know, though, for sure, how I would do if I were tested. But I do think there are some things we can do to increase our potential for being able to forgive. And that brings me to my third question. How does our UU faith call on us to forgive? And how does it help us on a path of forgiveness? We UUs aren't really, we're not really too used to the idea of commandments. <laughs> we don't endow our ministers with some kind of supernatural, we know what to do, we're going to tell you how to do this. We, we draw on the world's religious traditions, and we, we draw from spiritual texts of all kinds, but we don't generally regard those as a set of capital C commandments from a capital G God. We regard them as wisdom traditions. There are jokes made about us uh, that you've probably all heard about how we don't stand for anything except for a question mark. And, you know, there's, there's an element of truth to that, except they aren't really based on our reality. Because even though we aren't called on to believe in one particular holy book, one particular creed, one particular God, that doesn't mean we believe in nothing. It doesn't, believe we, it doesn't mean we, we just can do whatever we want. We have shared principles, as Linda pointed out over here. Our congregations have covenants among each other and within each congregation. And when we start to take those covenants and those principles really, really seriously and really look at them, at the end of the day, I think they require us to develop the capacity to choose forgiveness, to live in an attitude of forgiveness. I don't think you get to forgiveness by meditating on the nature of forgiveness or enumerating all the ways somebody might have caused you harm or you might have caused somebody else harm. Some of that might help, but I go back to Rabbi Stern who said, remember, mostly you're not a great sinner, merely average. And I think the key is instead to develop a set of practices that leave no room for holding a grudge, that basically prohibit you from, from holding a grudge or from separating yourself from other people. And I think those practices are actually grounded in our principles 
and in our covenants with each other. So consider our, our, our first principle. We affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every individual. So if we take that seriously as a primary principle, we can't just dismiss somebody and say, oh, well, they were just born evil, they're inherently wicked, because we already said they are not inherently wicked. Uh, our, our universalist tradition teaches us that all people are worthy of salvation. And if we claim to in, uh, affirm that inherent worth and dignity of everyone, that means we have to believe it all the way down in the corners of our hearts and our souls. And we are called to see and honor the humanity in each and every person. And from that place, surely we are called to heartfelt forgiveness of others. Or consider and choose another affirmation, justice, equity, and compassion. Or acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth. Most congregations have some form of that up on the wall or in their order of service. Those, those things are all there. And when those principles are deeply held and deeply considered and returned to week after week after week and declared and proclaimed, they must urge us on the road to forgiveness. When we draw on the wisdom of other traditions in the world, they all call for forgiveness, so there's something there going on too. A lot of our readings and our hymns encourage us to develop practices of welcoming and gratitude, seeking truth and widening perspective. All of those things lead to a path of forgiveness. So it's one thing to be led there, and then it's another thing to have the tools to do it with, the tools can sometimes, I think, be the, be the stumbling block. But I think, I think our, our faith of covenant, our covenantal tradition, provides a great context for practicing forgiveness. Because our congregations come together in covenant. In many cases, our boards and our committees have their own covenants. Many congregations repeat those covenants every week. We each and every time re-covenant how we wish to be together. And we say things like, love is the doctrine of this congregation. That's from the Phoenix UU congregation and many others in the country. We seek to dwell together in peace and seek knowledge and freedom and share our strengths. We seek to live together under those terms. You, we all read a covenant this morning. There's a whole other good, good set of principles to look at in trying to draw strength and in trying to understand how forgiveness might, might proceed. I do think, as, as kind of an aside, I think sometimes when things happen in congregations that um, seem to call for forgiveness, sometimes it's a harder and faster fall when something bad happens in a congregation because we've all been here saying to each other, we are going to be this way. We are going to be here in love. We are going to be here supporting each other, thanking each other, forgiving each other, and then we mess up. And, and the fall sometimes really seems pretty dramatic, more dramatic than if it were at work or even sometimes at home. But I think those covenants call us back. We can re-covenant. We can go back and we can say, hmm, okay, somebody here, maybe me, messed up, but what does our covenant call us to do? Our covenant calls us back to love. Our covenant calls us back to keep the door open and to begin that journey to forgiveness over and over and over. And I think in the end, we use our called by love, capital L, love. 
which actually I think isn't too much different from capital G God and some other traditions that say God is love. As we heard in that morning reading, forgiveness is the final form of love. Christian scholar uh, Lewis Smeta says, forgiving is love's toughest work and love's biggest risk. So it's not an easy road. There are a lot of choices along the way in this road, but may we take the first steps, make good choices by not picking up too many rocks, not admiring the rocks too much, not holding too many in our pockets at once, and, and, and not get to a point where we can't go forward because we've burdened ourselves and turned our hearts to stone. And if you have any, if you have any rocks in your pockets now, I, I invite you to take them home and start your own little rock garden. And may we begin again in love.